Welcome everybody to Extreme Thoughts Behind the Stripes. I'm Ryan. I'm Dave. And I'm John Finnegan. And thank you guys for checking out this week's show. I'm excited about this one. It's the first edition of WWE ECW. That's the first edition of ECW on Sci-Fi. Before we get into that, I just want to see how everybody's doing out there. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing great. I'm excited about, to see this. How about you, John? Doing wonderful. Can't wait to see the zombie again. <laughs> now, I know you guys got a lot going on, Dave. You just had your big pretzel mania event. Um, yeah, but John, nice. John, you actually have a a big show coming up yourself that uh, we kind of want to let everybody know about. Yeah, we do. Uh, ECWA has its annual Super Eight tournament, April twentieth in South Philly, uh, longest running independent wrestling tournament uh, in history. Uh, and this year's uh, theme is the Legacy Edition. All the competitors are second and third generation superstars. So we have Colby Carino, Wes Briscoe, the Von Erich brothers, um, Lance Hanoi. Um, it's it's going to be a, a great, great event. Uh, Leland Race, uh, April 20th, South Philly High School, Broad and Snyder. Hope to see all my old ECW uh, fans come out and, and support the Super 8 really really need to uh, get everybody out there to enjoy this event it's going to be a great time and you know what's what's cool about that is is the ecwa was actually um it, it ran in delaware for a number of years but you guys actually took it over um and you guys were actually before you took over ecwa were running the twa which you had brought back and the twa was the early precursor to ecw so it's kind of interesting the way everything kind of ties together because now you're you're looking at the guys who are running TWA now running ECWA, and they're running in South Philly, which is the home of ECW. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy the way it's all gone, come full circle. Uh, we, we've been doing ECWA, TWA, ECWA now. It's been ten years, which I cannot believe that's flown by. Uh, uh, doing that and just having a, a great time with a couple of friends, Mike Tartaglia and Joe Sinoli. Mike is the owner, Joe's the booker, and I'm just the ref. You're more than the ref. <laughs> You're the best on. ref there is. <laughs> so today, like we said earlier, we're jumping into WWE ECW, the first episode, June 13th, 2006. I cannot believe this is almost 13 years ago. Oh, crazy, man. absolutely crazy <laughs> that it's, it's flown by as fast as that. If you would tell me this was four years ago, I would be like, really? It was four years ago. That's, it doesn't seem like it was that long. I remember this vividly. I remember watching this, and I was excited to watch this. I know everybody out there thought they're going to ruin ECW, and they were right. But <laughs> initially, I was optimistic, and I was excited, and I thought there was potential. And I mean, the first two one-night stand events, to me, they were great cards, now, this one, of course, followed the second one-night stand. Um, did you feel that the second one-night stand event had the same steam as the first one? Uh, I think it did. I think it had the uh, the same steam as the first, maybe a little more WWE influence to it. Um, when you look at it as a whole, it's probably where ECW should have stopped. Uh, that would have been a great way just to, to, to close it. Actually, it should have stopped after the first one-night stand. Um, definitely should have stopped after the second, but um, yeah, mem very memorable. And I mean, it was it was sort of the the coming out party for for Rob Van Dam and 
it was finally the time, and he he was the most over guy on the show, and, and a lot of people will claim he was the most over guy on the roster for a long time before he won the title. What do you think took so long for them to put the title on Rob Van Dam? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say probably trust. I think there was probably a lack of it um, with, with Rob. Rob is a great a performer and wrestler and character that he is. Uh, he has his own personal fallbacks, the old demons, if you will, uh, that come into play sometimes and, and maybe makes him a little less trustworthy. I, I would guess that's probably was the only reason, the main reason why. And you know what's funny about that? The entire time, I think he, he joined WWE in, in 2002, and up until 2006, he had been basically a model employee. I mean, he had never gotten in trouble, and they refused to put the belt on him, and they, they finally do it. And about a month later, he is arrested. That's it. <laughs> and that would, to me, that was the beginning of the end for ECW. But let's talk about the end of the begin, the beginning of the end. ECW. <laughs> and we're gonna go ahead. If you want to go on the network and watch this along with us, we're gonna be watching it as a group together. Um, so if you want to just go on the uh, the network right now, fire up WWE ECW. It's ECW zero one. It's the episode from June thirteenth, two thousand six. Go ahead and get past all your welcome screens and everything like that, and we'll get going in three, two, one. So when we open up the show, we have this uh, the graphic that says last Sunday, and they're recapping what happened less than a week ago on the second one-night stand event, which, again, was one of my favorite events. It was by far the best pay-per-view of that year for me as a fan. But, Dave, what, what were some of your memories of uh, watching the second one-night stand event? Um... The main event, or the Rob Van Dam and uh, John Cena, of course. You know, Rob Van Dam finally getting his his due, even though it wasn't the original ECW. And I, hey, I you, was, you just saw a moment ago the, the probably the most uh, poignant moment of the night when John Cena threw his his shirt into the crowd and they threw it yeah. right back. Uh, but go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. Yeah, but like I don't know, like what John said, like it had like enough steam as the first one. I don't know. As a fan, like it's definitely where it should have stopped, though, for sure. And they end this video package crowning Rob Van Dam as the champion here. Um, was this an emotional night for you at all, or was this just another another show for you, John? It, it was. I was busier in this show than than the first one night stand. I, I was given three matches, um, three of the high profile matches, I, and I kind of kept busy all day long. Um, later on. I, I think it was actually, I, I think it was a tryout without telling, without them telling me it was a tryout because I found out later from Tommy that they wanted to hire me. Um, so it was, it was a busy, a little bit stressful night. And I, I think one of the memorable things that they don't, of course, cover in the video package is, I believe this was the night there was a fight between the Blue Meanie and JBL. Yeah, and I never once saw that until... After the show, because we drove together, me, Meanie, Francine, uh, Mike Keener, Jim Molino, we all drove together in my van, and we all met back at the van to pull out of the parking garage. And Meanie comes walking up, all beat to hell. I said, "What happened to you?" I guess I had no idea it happened, um, and uh, that's how I found out when he came walking up after the show to us. Looking at everything there, you see the. It just seems weird seeing ECW in a setting like this. And I, I got to admit, when I first saw it with all these fans and everything like that, 
my heart sunk a little bit seeing kids in the crowd and everything like that, but I stayed positive. Yeah. <laughs> I stayed positive because Paul Heyman was walking to the ring and Paul Heyman could make it work. So I had faith, and these weird camera angles that they do when the people are dancing for whatever reason, where they turn the camera sideways and zoom it in and uh, out. Uh, that's a whole, yeah. we could do a whole show on their camera work. I hate it. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of people will make fun of ECW for having, uh, p let's say, poor quality. Um, to me, that stuff holds up way better than than some of the stuff that's going on nowadays where you can't even focus on what's going on because the camera is zooming in and out so quick. Yep. It's almost, you almost get motion sickness watching yep, it. Yep, I yeah. agree. Keep the barf bag next to you. And here Paul Heyman is introducing uh, the new world champion, Rob Van Dam. And what's interesting is what he's holding in his hand, which we'll we'll talk about in a second. But again, just seeing it seemed like they were trying to do something here unique for ECW with the, the set, but it looks bizarre to me the way it's laid out. Like they don't have a full camera shot of it. It's like off to the side, the entranceway. It it actually literally was off to the side. It was like in the corner of because it was like a hockey rink set up there, and it was in the corner of one of the the hockey rink itself, almost. Almost like, uh, you know, go over there type of thing. Stay away from yeah. the main stage. <laughs> it's weird because you can't get a full camera shot of it. I mean, they, they did try to – it seemed like they tried to put the announcers in a different spot there. That's that's something a little unique. So that kind of – again, I, I was looking for anything positive because I missed ECW so bad. I just wanted this to work. And I, I don't know that I've ever had as much blind hope in anything in my life <laughs> as I did for ECW coming back. Um, so this was definitely a this was a heartbreaker for me once this got underway. But I, admittedly, I did not hate the first episode, and I know that's shocking, and I know I'm I'm probably in the minority on that. But what were your thoughts after you saw this first episode and saw what their vision of ECW was going to be? Uh, it, it was it was disappointing. I to I, I mean a lot of people used the the zombie as the as the big butt of the choke for the night, and actually that probably was. The closest thing to ECW, if you will, the whole night, because it was actually uh, something silly coming out, being portrayed as ECW. But of course, then the same man comes out and beats the hell out of him, and that's something <laughs> you would see at the ECW arena. If some goof is spouting off at the mouth at the arena, and the fans are letting them have it, and Sandman or New Jack or somebody like that's coming in to clean house. And that that was probably the closest thing to ECW, and that's sure. the one that gets always gets the butt of the joke. And, you know, you make make a joke all you want, but that guy had bookings as the zombie for at least ah. the next three years afterwards. <laughs> that made his career. Yeah, he was getting booked everywhere. Um, he, of course, Tim Tim Arson, who played the zombie, uh, passed away a couple years after this. But um, but yeah, for the longest time, he was on every New Jersey indie card yep. for the longest time <laughs> as the zombie. So um, one of the few things they didn't trademark, I guess they didn't think. <laughs> Anybody going to make a run with it. <laughs> Good for him, though. <laughs> Absolutely. But here we see Robin Dam and Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman about to pull out the uh, ECW championship. And if you notice here, if you're a belt mark like I am, that's a replica belt. They clearly were not prepared to bring back the ECW championship on this night. If you look at the back, you can see the actual it's, snaps. It's in the all, back. It looks like like uh, pleather that back. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it really. Is. Yeah. And you could see the buttons on the back. Well, you know, normal belt they have the leather that covers over it, 
but it's rigid. It's not moving. It almost it's seems like they, they they weren't prepared to bring back ECW full time. Is is there any truth to that, or were they did they know about this for months, or was this just one of those things where it's like we're gonna make a new belt, but it's not ready yet? Uh, they, they they were the plan was to run with ECW as a third brand. So that was definitely in the, in the works. I think somebody maybe at a, at a, a writers meeting at, at two o'clock in the afternoon said, "Hey, we need a ECW belt here," and uh, nobody had it. <laughs> so they they went to the closest. Uh, Toys R Us to try to find one, and I guess yeah. that's what they came up with. <laughs> Why didn't they just call Rhino up and, and get it back from him? Yeah, he may not have wanted to give it up. Who knows? <laughs> I think Rhino was actually a part of... I could be wrong here, but was he was he in TNA at this point? Uh, it may so. have been, because he was or was he on? Or he wasn't on One Night Stand, right? No, that's correct, yeah. Okay. He was on the original One Night Stand, but not the second one. Correct. Um, and here, Ravinder making the pitch that he's going to keep both of them because he likes the fact that one of them spins. And <laughs> he might be in the minority on that one. And, of course, now here comes Edge and Lita. Again, I didn't hate this because I didn't think there was a more overact in WWE at the time than Edge and Lita. Yeah, they were. And a couple reasons why right there. Yeah, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Two reasons. <laughs> Um, and uh, to me, this is where Edge shined, and uh, he—I thought he could have fit in great here in ECW. I know he wasn't going to be a a long-term member of the roster, but I thought he fit in fine. What were your thoughts on the combination of Taz and uh, Joey Styles as commentators? Oh, there's the Green Lantern fan. He's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> He's a—that's he, a strange dude right there. Yeah. Let me tell yeah. You. <laughs> oh, I just saw him. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what were your thoughts on Joey Styles and Taz on that? Uh, I was actually Taz didn't do a lot of talking when he was a wrestler in, in the original ECW, which I mean a lot of a lot of his promos were laced with f bombs and and uh, up your mother stuff and, yeah. and all kinds of things like that. So he was actually a, a surprising addition to uh, to commentary. And uh, you know, I, I think he actually, as time went on, I think he really jumped into that role and, and did a great job. I think at first it was a little rough, but uh, by the time ECW rolled around, I thought he was one of the best color guys um, in the sport. So I thought that was a great pairing. Again, I was just looking for a reason for this thing to, to succeed, man. I was just... Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the belt did put me off a little bit. And, <laughs> and I didn't expect them to keep Paul Heyman on as an on-air character. So I was also excited about that. I tell you, he's, he's a, a cat with uh, 90 lives and, and instead of nine lives. It's amazing how he is in and out of places and, and always finds himself back in a real, real favorable position with companies. Well, I mean, there aren't many people, as far as managers or whatever, an advocate, whatever he's calling himself nowadays, who can do what he does and do it as well as he does. I don't know if there is anybody like that anymore. I mean, after we, we kind of lost Bobby Heenan, I don't know that anybody's ever stepped up to that manager role quite like Paul Heyman. Yeah, yeah I mean, it goes beyond that for Paul. Paul is, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to be around Eddie Gilbert in early ECWAs, uh, ECW days, and um, what an unbelievable mind Eddie was. But Paul is, he is top five. Uh, wrestling minds in the business. There's just no question about it. That guy. That's why they keep bringing him back. He's he's just that that valuable. And uh, that's that one thing. They they have about 20 people on their creative team, maybe more. 
And do you think they ever reach, as Cena is now putting the uh, fist to edge, but uh, do you think they ever reach out to Heyman and say, hey, you know, what do you think of this? Or is he kind of of the mindset nowadays that, well, you're going to have to pay me if you want to know what I think? No, I, I, I think he's heavily involved now backstage, uh, more mm. than people even realize. Uh, he is he is involved in a lot of what's going on uh, in, in WWE these days. Interesting. Do you think he's involved with the uh, – we know that he's sort of close with Ronda Rousey. I, I was just going to say he's directly involved and probably the, the mastermind and helping with a lot of her promos uh, behind the scenes. Interesting. It's good to know that Paul Heyman is still actively. Oh, come on, Cena, that's not cool. <laughs> it's good to know that that Didn't Paul Heyman is, is still heavily involved in wrestling because I don't know that Paul Heyman needs wrestling, but I think that wrestling really needs Paul Heyman. He probably doesn't, and, and, and Paul is, is, I think, tried to step away from wrestling at, at points not long ago, and I don't think he ever will. It's just too, it's just too embedded in his blood. For him to walk, he, he's not. He would never walk away completely. I'd be stunned if he did. And uh, for me, this was an exciting moment getting to see guys like Balls Mahoney, Little Guido, Stevie Richards, who had been on WWF TV for a while. But you know, you have Tony Mama look there, Tommy Dreamer, Al Snow's there in the background. All these guys together surrounding the ECW champion and the creator of ECW, or at least who's perceived to be the creator of ECW. Um, just, it's just fun. an exciting thing. Yeah, it's funny watching this clip right now with Paul in the middle of these guys kind of giving him the pep talk. We, we've seen a lot of those pep talks over the years at the arena. He, stepped, he would stand up on the steps and overlook everyone and and make you want to run through a wall by the time he was done. And This is classic Paul right here. I would just like to be in a room with Paul Heyman for like 10 minutes and just interview him yeah. about stuff <laughs> without like the WWE filter. You know what I mean? Just yep. to- Absolutely. To pick his brain, I mean, yeah, just pick his brain. And there, the ECW chant beginning. And I'm sorry if I get sucked away once in a while. I, I end up watching, it. and here comes the star of the show, everybody. <laughs> Everybody's on their feet. The most over guy in ECW. The zombie making his way to the. It looks like he doesn't even want to do this. Quite yeah. honestly. Yeah, I think he was pushed in the back out through the curtain to get his ass out there to. <laughs> Because he knew the reaction he was going to get. Yep, and that's it right there. Look at the horror on this kid's face. (laughs) Again, because of the way this this segment ended, I didn't hate it. It really really didn't bother me. (laughs) Maybe a little long to get to the ring. He's not Ron Van Dam. (laughs) I I, hear his mic work. Every time... Every time he got hit, there would be more and more powder flying off. Hey, that guy looks like Little Keener, that referee. Yeah, I think that's his long-lost cousin. That was Little Mike Keener. <laughs> and great promo here. If you're uh, if you're watching along on the network, please turn the volume up right now because he is, shoot- <laughs> he is shooting hard right now. All you, all you young kids out there learning to cut a promo, get your recorders out. <laughs> hit that DVR button. <laughs> I love that... Uh, Taz, no matter what, is wearing sunglasses inside. Yeah. <laughs> and here we go. And yeah, there he it, is. It, it kind of hit me a little hard when I'm watching it right now. I'm muted, but I, I watched it earlier. And when that generic music hits, mm. 
Killer. It just it stings yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it's still <laughs> it's still to this day. And I mean, I honestly I can't even watch the old school ECW shows on the network because they change so much of the music. I have yeah. I have bootlegs and I have original copies and everything else, and I upload them to my own server. Like uh, it's that bad that I have to. <laughs> I mean, every, everybody today has music coming to coming to the ring. Sure. Um, and I'm not saying ECW invented that. Obviously, they didn't. But the music that each character had in ECW was that character. I mean, it belonged to them. It defined them. And I don't think WWE really realized how important that was. Of course, it's obviously too expensive to to pay the rights to to, to play that music constantly. But it just it just made it was just a part of, of each character. What what I don't understand is, and we may have talked about this before, so stop me if we did, but the way UFC gets around it is that it's ambient noise. When when a fighter walks to the ring, the music isn't on its own track, and there you go, the zombie's being laid out already by the Sandman. Jeez. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I don't understand. And ECW used the same logic that it's ambient noise. They didn't they didn't mic the. Oh, it seemed like he caught his nose on the way down there. Oh, oh that's not good. That looks gross. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't understand why WWE couldn't do that as well, but I guess because they're such a big corporate entity, they're afraid to take that chance. Yeah, it's probably just too big of a risk to, yeah. to play with it. To, to appease me as a wrestling fan, that's, I get that's it. That's right. <laughs> I get it. But I don't think there's a single person out there who knows the Sandman who was like, why are they doing this to him with this music? Right. <laughs> and it's weird because it it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal when he was hack in WCW because he got over as hack in WCW. And he didn't have the Sandman music, to, to my knowledge. Um, but it just seemed like it was such a big insult coming from WWF. And it's also weird not seeing Atlas Security protecting everybody. <laughs> actually, there, actually there, were a couple, there are a couple guys there. Really? Yeah, there are yeah. guys right that ju- he just passed one of the guys there. We ended up, uh, I think, uh, I don't know what the final. Oh, hello. <laughs> I don't remember the final. Um, I'm sorry, I've just been distracted. <laughs> <laughs> the final reason that was security was eventually never not used anymore. But yeah, they were there for the first uh, for the first little bit. Oh, okay, that's good. What did you just- say? <laughs> <laughs> seeing so, Kelly Kelly right now what, gives me a, a story behind the scenes story as we're in Gorilla waiting to waiting for the the show the sci-fi show to start and one of the agents I forget who it was it may have been Michael Hayes um, bringing Kelly Kelly to Vince McMahon and presenting her to him like she was a piece of meat she he literally literally brought her right next to him she turned around. He looked her up and down. Uh, it was it was uncomfortable. <laughs> it was it oh was, really? It was strange. Yeah, he introduced her introduced her to him, and and he I guess he had to give her uh, give his final approval before she went out in front of the crowd. Wow! And so her gimmick was, I'm gonna go out and get naked, and yeah. that was her whole character. And what was good, great was that it got really it got over, and then her boyfriend wouldn't let her. And he got a lot of heat because of that. Yeah. So look again, I had I had faith in it. And there's one of my all well, two of my all time favorites, quite honestly, Joey Styles and uh, Jerry Lawler. Jerry uh, Joey Styles is one of my favorite announcers, along with Lance Russell and 
Jerry Lawler, definitely in my top five. Um, just I did. Did King add a lot to ECW, or was he just there to kind of fill a commitment? No, I think yeah, I, I think he added the the antagonist uh, to from WWE. I mean, look at the reaction here. People wanted to kill him when he slapped Joey, and that's that's pretty much the role he played. He would run down ECW all the time on on the microphone and. And it just incensed people. And who's that good-looking guy in the ring? Look right at that there? guy! Man, they should <laughs> offer him a contract. <laughs> well, stay tuned. I think they might. <laughs> wow. Look at the reaction. Joey people. Styles. Look at Taz smile. I haven't seen Taz smile in 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I I imagined this match when I heard they announced Taz versus um, Lawler. Um, which they only announced about about two weeks before the the pay per view took place, and I remember looking at Taz and be like, "Well, he he hasn't gotten in shape, so this is going to be a quick one." I didn't think Joey Styles would get involved, but this match was exactly what the people wanted, and I believe this kicked off the show. Yep, yeah, it did. It, it it was it was the start of the uh, of the pay per view. So it didn't need to go a second longer than it did. I think it was exactly what everybody wanted. Yep, they wanted people finally wanted to see somebody get their hands on Lawler after the way he just continually put ECW down. And this was a weird one for me, um, Dave. What were your thoughts when when you heard that Kurt Angle was going to be a part of ECW? Was that a good fit? I think, I guess, because Kurt Angle, I guess, was going to be like an ECW for, I guess, one of the guys like Heyman wanted like back in the day. So yeah, you figured that. <laughs> fits that way but i think at this point i don't know he's a wwe guy through and through like at this stage of his career and what about you john did, did, See, did I, 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 I completely think the opposite i think kurt was probably anybody in that locker room was probably the perfect fit to come over to the ecw side not only give it a little bit of a rub but he was the the tough guy uh, olympic hero uh, star. He was a star, and, and I think it really added to ECW. Actually, it's one of my highlights of my career, being able to uh, work a match with him. I did meet him when he was at the he visited the arena on that infamous, infamous night that he was disgusted and ended up leaving when Sandman was crucified. But it was it was an honor to be able to get in the ring with him. And there we go. You're back in the ring here for uh, Just Incredible and uh, Kurt Angle. Uh, just Incredible, just... Uh... I don't know that he gets a move in during this entire match. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I don't know what the the dislike, if I will, for lack of a better word, with WWE management with him, but they they lost, they misused a talented guy on both occasions that he was there. And was there any heat that you know of with uh, Justin Credible, or was I, just? I don't think so, unless he was just the the, the whipping boy of uh, the the clique, the guys he hung out with, and they couldn't touch any of them. So I guess maybe he was the uh, the punching bag for for the Shawn Michaels and the Razor Ramones and and those guys. Yeah, because watching this, like, oof. like he's like seems like he just like slaps him around and stuff. Even like towards the end, you'll see. But it feels like there's definitely something going on. Or was that maybe them trying to portray Kurt Angle more like a bully? Yeah, it's exactly what it was. It was just to get to get Kurt over as uh, an animal, uh, almost Taz-like. I mean, he was the Taz of WWE ECW as Taz was to ECW. 
And there you see the Green Lantern fan just annoying the hell out of me. <laughs> just put on this earth to just annoy the hell out of me. It's so weird to me seeing Joey Styles and Taz on camera looking down at monitors and not just looking up at the... And I understand why, because you have to call what the audience is seeing and not what you see. But it's just, it's a weird angle for me a little bit. And what do you think of the new uh, ECW, and this one's over already, what do you think of the new ECW uh, referee shirts? Uh, well, it slimmed me a little bit, so I like the all black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of cool because they, it seemed like that had the old purple logo and it looked like they were going with this uh razor blade graphic so it didn't seem like they upgraded everything but eventually they went to like almost like a pinstripe um shirt yeah yeah version of a, a normal referee shirt uh, once it got going but uh, i actually taz of course was involved in our merchandise and he was the one that introduced ecw to those different colored shirts that we used to use in you know on pay-per-views which i actually enjoyed the red and the white uh, red and black stripe um yeah I, I always like something different than the, just the traditional black and white stripe. Now Kurt Angle running down the uh, ECW locker room. You know, the, the weirdest, I think the weirdest uh, switch for me at first, which I then ended up liking, was the big show moving to ECW. And I remember it was shortly, you know, Rob Van Dam lost, uh, lost the title and big show ended up with it. But I, it seemed like they were doing something kind of cool where every time somebody would try to use a weapon on the big show, he would punch it out of their hands. So, again, I, I was just looking for any reason for this thing to succeed, and I, I kind of got excited <laughs> thinking that maybe Big Show will make a great ECW champion. And I think, to be fair, uh, Big Show – what the hell was that? Big Show's, uh, <laughs> big show's best – Dave, you all right? Best. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Big Show's greatest success was always under the guise of Paul Heyman. I mean, you look at his feud with uh, with Brock Lesnar in 2003 um, when Paul Heyman was riding, writing for the SmackDown team. And then later on when Heyman had a little bit of control, I guess, with, with the new ECW, Paul Heyman was able to, to do something with the Big Show. So I think those are the only two times in my entire life I've ever cared about the Big Show. And I can I can say that I didn't know Paul Heyman was the lead writer on SmackDown in 2003, um, so I I was I was definitely not biased back then. Yeah, Big Show was always one of Paul's guys, uh, and Paul always saw something in him and, and enjoyed enjoyed work with him. And I'm sure Paul suggested that he be a part of the WWE ECW version because he was uh, he was always fond of him. And now I'm sure Paul Heyman delivering one of those classic fired-up promos with the original ECW logo. And I just wanted it to work, man. I just – it could have it could, it happened. You and, you, you and a bunch of guys that were in that locker room that night wanted yeah. it to work too. I mean, after seeing this episode, what was your thoughts? Did you, did you walk away thinking, yeah, that ain't going to work? Or was it still that hope that, okay, not bad? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that it was it was doom and gloom after the first night. Other than, <laughs> I guess we can talk later about a, a meeting that we all had. The whole locker room had after the tape. It was actually before SmackDown taping, so we 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 did the show before the SmackDown taping. And when the ECW taping was done, um, John Laurinaitis had the whole ECW uh, roster in a uh, in a locker room uh, and completely ran everybody down. 
how horrible it was, how uh, everybody's got to improve. If you want this to work, then you're going to have to uh, change. You're going to have to step it up, blah, 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 blah. And everybody's looking around at each other thinking, ain't nobody in this room that wrote this shit. So why are we the guys that are, that are getting hammered right now? But yeah, that, that happened. Uh, I mean, it was, it was uncomfortable. Everybody was in there, including the big show. And we all get run down up one side and down the other on how horrible everything went. So what in particular went horrible in their opinion? The matches or the angles? It, it never got, uh, it, there was never specifics. It was just that he basically he just shat shit all over the whole night um, without directly pointing people out. He just didn't, they just weren't happy with the, with the whole night. And like I said, you guys put the whole night together. Yeah. Everybody out there went out and tried, <laughs> yeah. to, tried to bust their asses, which I think just about everybody involved did. Um, I don't know. It, it just, it's it's something I don't miss being able to work there. It's just the politics and the game playing and the silliness, high school nonsense behind the scenes is something I don't miss uh, on that level of a, at a wrestling show. WWE, it's just everybody's walking on eggshells all day, and it's it's like you're scared of this guy. And that night, it's funny. Uh, Undertaker was there that night, and because uh, again, it was a SmackDown taping after us, and he walked into the room, and it's like the Red Sea parted. Everybody stopped, and and this guy walked in and just had total command of the room and everybody's attention. And it, that's just the the guys at his level. That's the kind of atmosphere and tension that was was kind of there backstage and it was it's kind of uncomfortable is, is that fear or is that respect i think it's a combination of, of, of both um and mm. he was as nice as could be if he went up and talked to him and, and what i do i was able to introduce myself and have a couple seconds actually guido a little guido introduced me to him to undertaker and i mean uh, nice guy uh spoke for a couple seconds and it's just, uh, I, I guess, when you're around and you achieve what somebody like him achieved, you get the respect, and I guess there is a little fear added to it as well. And now we're getting to the highlight of the show, of course. <laughs> Let's just say the curtain uh, was sold out backstage as long as as well as all the monitors. <laughs> how how old was Kelly Kelly at this point? Uh, she was, I would She's guess, young. early 20s. Yeah, early 20s, I believe. Dave, have you checked Boobapedia lately to see Kelly Kelly's most recent stats? I know you pulled up a lot of research on our Tommy Dreamer episode. <laughs> well, let me go uh, power up the Google machine, see if I can find anything. <laughs> so one of the interesting things you had mentioned uh, off air was, uh, I might have even mentioned it on the show already, but this was the night they, they actually offered you a contract to be a part of ECW full-time. Um, and how did that, how did that come about? Who offered you the contract? How did it go? And, and what it happened was, as a result? It was, um, after the pay-per-view, uh, the second one I stand, Tommy Dreamer called me at my work office, uh, and, and told me, Hey, the guys, these guys are interested in hiring you. Be prepared to talk to somebody at the, at the tapings, the sci-fi tapings. And I was, I was stunned. I said, Tommy, I got a full-time job. I'm here 20 years two kids, two young kids at the time. Um, tell them, he says, he said to me, tell them, tell them your situation. 
explain to them and, and see what you can work out. So I went in to the sci-fi taping and um, went through the taping. And it actually was right after we had that meeting that John Laronitis had the meeting with everybody ripping them. And <laughs> as, he, as he dismissed everybody, he, he pointed to me right in the middle of the room and says, I want to talk to you in five minutes after you get changed. Right in front of everybody. And I was like, wow. after after what we just heard, I didn't know if he was getting ready to throw me out of the <laughs> out of the building or hey, this is when he wants to, to talk to you. So we left there, I got changed, and um I went into his office, I knocked on the door and I walked in. As, as I walked in, him, John uh, Laronitis and Big Show were talking, and I abruptly made a beeline back out the same door I came in. I said, oh, sorry, guys, excuse me. And I waited outside. I had no idea Big Show was in there. And he turned and gave me a look like, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> and I just <laughs> turned around and left. And he came out and shook my hand, and he went away, and I came in. Uh, and it was just me and John. And and uh, he actually said something that was really cool, and I will never, ever forget it. And he said to me, uh, Vince really likes you. And I was, I was gone at that point. I was uh, over the moon shocked and, and appreciative and, and the whole deal but he, he explained to me that vince likes guys that look older and look like like they're in charge of a match actually a, like an authority figure looking type sure. of thing and that was what he was looking for for ecw um and he offered me to a, a contract money would have been wonderful probably would have been the same that i was making at my regular job but of course all the other things with uh you have to pay your own hotel and car and you're an independent contractor. You'd have to get your whole, your own life insurance. And I, I tried like hell to get him to hire me as a, um, an actual employee, like an office employee type deal where you would get benefits and all. And, sure. and he said, look, here's, he showed me, he actually showed me um, salaries of some of the refs and some of the people and said, Hey, this is what you could be doing. You don't need to be that type of thing. You, you're going to end up making the money. Uh, and, and it'll cover your insurance and all that stuff. And it was just a, a time in my life where I just couldn't take the chance. Uh, just knowing the way the business goes, uh, he offered me a three-year deal, and they could have got rid of me after six months if they wanted to. And I just couldn't walk away from my, my current job and leave my kids five nights a week, as young as they were at the time. And, and, and uh, I, I had unfortunately had to pass it up. But what was great... Uh, they were so nice that he he said to me, listen, we're, we got a lot of local shows within driving distance. This is when Tommy was still in the uh, in the talent relations office. He said, just let Tommy know what you can what you can make. And you're more than welcome to uh, to come and work the shows on the weekends whenever you can get there. And that was actually he, he, they didn't have to do that. And I, I guess they really did. They were really interested in me and liked what they saw and were, were nice enough to let me hang around for about a year or so afterwards doing shows that were in my area and, and pay me some pretty good money. And, uh, at the time of my life, got to work Madison square garden, which was, which blowed my mind when I walked in there. So it was, uh, it was a little bit of a dream come true. Uh, unfortunately I just, I couldn't take the chance and go full time. Do you regret that at all? A, a little bit, a, a little bit. I do. I, I, it was, I think I've accomplished and done just about everything worked with a, a list of legends in the business worked everything. But since I was a little kid, WrestleMania one, I always watched WrestleMania. I still do it today. 
And that was probably my shot to get on a WrestleMania show. And that's not going to happen now. But that's probably the only thing I regret, not being able to get that one WrestleMania shot. Because uh, I believe the, the it was basically the new breed versus the ECW originals. It was a five on five match. Um, so the, I think they, I think they only had one match. So it would have been down to I guess all the referees. And would you have been the ooh there goes Roadkill in a violent way? Uh, would you have been the most senior guy there? At the time when they offered it to me, I was. But right after me, they actually hired uh, Scott Armstrong and uh, Mickey J. So they ended up being uh, the two senior guys but I, I guess I would have been the would have been the senior guy if I had taken the job um, it was funny I, I did a couple of the house shows um, before Mania that year and um, a couple of the guys were coming up to me said oh that'd be great if they ran an angle or they bring the original ECW rep in to help the guys win at Mania I said yeah you let somebody know uh, I'm more than willing to be flown in if they'd like <laughs> that, was, that never happened. <laughs> maybe that maybe this is your year, man. You don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's that's gone. But I'm I'm happy what I've done, what I've accomplished, and and I've been lucky enough to do a lot, a lot of stuff in the business that I've loved since I've been five years old. So I'm more than happy to the way things worked out. So you mentioned Madison Square Garden there, um, you know, and ECW Arena. Obviously, when you were a kid, was was nothing. I mean, it wasn't. Right. It wasn't known. When you look at at your career, what's the what's your favorite arena you ever got to be involved with? Um, there's a couple, of course. The arena, the arena is just a special was just a special atmosphere over the years. I guess they all have their different levels of reason why I like them. The arena was special to ECW. Um, I loved the Chicago. I think it was called the Odium that we were there for a couple yeah. pay per views. Unbelievable atmosphere. Uh, guy, I was also able when working with WWE to work the Wells Fargo Center, which is my home. I'm a big Philadelphia sports fan, so being able to work that building, when I was actually on the Fourth of July one year, um, was pretty cool. Um, as far as my career, I, and the Garden is of course the mecca of history with with pro wrestling, and be be able to do that. I guess the arena, just how the special, how the atmosphere was at that place, was just uh, was just something special. Which is weird because you know you you would always think somebody would associate uh, a venue that they grew up, uh, you know, admiring or idolizing or whatever the case is, and the arena kind of developed as ECW developed. So it's it's always fascinating to hear how many people have admiration and. Uh, fond memories of a building that really only existed for a short number of years. Yeah. It was basically only associated with ECW yeah, I mean, until, yeah, until more much. recent years. They, that kind of that's what put that building on the map was ECW and, yeah. and like it's, it's going on. We're actually another place that, that was, was special. I actually saw my first live wrestling event at the old Wildwood convention hall. Uh, in Wildwood, New Jersey. And I was lucky enough, I worked a few independent groups there. I also worked for WWE there. I, that's where that's actually where I did the um, uh, Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect match, 20-minute time limit draw at the Wildwood Convention Hall. And ECW ran there a couple of times. So, again, coming full circle, I, had, I saw my first live wrestling event there and then ref there 30 years later. 
Were you able? Were you ever able? One of those guys who like uh, who walked into the arena when there's nobody there and just kind of sat in the the stands or looked around the arena and just kind of took it all in, or was he, were you there mostly for for business and you were just kind of there for your time and in and out? No, I, I, it's funny you say that because I actually did that a lot. I would just sit. I never. It's it's funny over the years. I never really got nervous ever going into any match. Um. And I would usually, when I would first get there, settle, get my stuff together, and and go sit, um, go sit in the stands to just look around. Uh, I guess compose myself, get my thoughts together for the night. Uh, at that point, I probably knew what I was doing, so I was able to think about what was going to go on.